0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I believe if all of us were honest, we would say that one of the biggest problems we have in our Christian walk is simply distraction. You know, there was a time when people, for the most part, especially in rural areas, did manual labor all day and at night they would have supper and then after supper there really wasn't anything to do except read the bible that was a good problem to have wasn't it Uh, there wasn't all of the activities that we see that people are involved in today Now, while we may rightfully say that we have it much easier today, we have more comfortable homes, we have better health care, we have better technology, we have so many conveniences, yet I believe that stress is a big problem in people's lives today. And the Bible even teaches this. Jesus once said, Because of the distress of nations, men's hearts shall fail. Now, you may apply that in a spiritual way, but I believe it's true uh, literally as well. Due to distress, men's hearts shall fail. Now, the Bible talks about distraction as a problem both in the lives of individuals as well as the church. Brother Chris and I have often referred to the parable of the sower, and in particular, we've talked about those seed that fell among thorns. Right. And Jesus explained that in Matthew 13, uh, 22, in this way. He said, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now you can't become unfruitful unless you had previously been fruitful. Right. Amen. Now notice here he mentions two things, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. Now, that first one, the cares of this life, does not really involve sinful activity, That's right. but rather it's speaking of distraction with all the affairs of this life. One of the things that the Apostle Paul told Timothy regarding his need to focus on the ministry was that uh, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him that has called him to be a soldier. So Paul likens the ministry to being a soldier, and when a soldier is engaged in battle, he doesn't need to be distracted with anything else. And he says that's the way a minister needs to be. He needs to be unentangled. From the affairs of this life. And even to the church as a body. You'll read in Revelation chapter 2. When Jesus was addressing those uh, seven churches. John wrote uh, Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 2. And he says, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write these things. Saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them to be liars, and has born and have patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You can even be distracted in spiritual things. You know, it's possible that we could get so caught up in this building project that we could leave, that is, turn away from, without even deliberately doing so. We could... Turn away from our first love. Right. And our first love is simply our love for the Lord right. and our focus on the gospel and how that he has saved us from our sins Amen. and we consequently want to worship him and live our lives to his glory. Right. Amen. You know, I found even in some of the churches I served that it was so much easier to focus on projects than people. Amen. Have you ever noticed that in yourself? It's easier sometimes to focus on projects than people. Right. But you know the life is really defined in relationships, isn't Amen. it? Living life is about having relationships with other people. Right. So I don't believe I need to continue on convincing you that distraction can be a significant problem in the lives of Christians. So I want to entitle my message today, From Distraction to Dedication. Now dedication is a concept I believe we all understand, but just to clarify, dedication has to do with commitment. It has to do with understanding what our obligations are, and responsibilities are, and to recognize that it is our job to assume those responsibilities. It's our job to be dedicated to the things that matter. And so for the balance of our time, I want to talk to you about Christian dedication from distraction to dedication. Now, people are dedicated to a lot of things, some of which are unimportant. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anyone. I just refer to examples as they come to my mind. I know of men that are so dedicated to hunting That during hunting season, they're gone Saturday and Sunday of every weekend. And oftentimes, it's away from home. Now, I believe that dedication can lead to distraction from the things we need to be dedicated to. And we're going to look at those momentarily. But there are so many things that can distract us. Some people think they have to go to every college football game of the team that they support. And they'll spend massive amounts of money. They'll not only get season tickets, but they'll dedicate the whole weekend during football season to focusing on their team. Neither one of those things are bad or sinful in and of themselves. Those are not ungodly activities. And there's nothing wrong with having time to be involved with some activities apart from your daily job. There's nothing wrong with uh, going to the lake with your family, for example. But we can allow so many things to distract us from the things that we need to be dedicated to. So I wanna talk to you about Christian dedication. And I want us to consider the things that are important, the things that are important for men to dedicate themselves to, the things that are important for women to dedicate themselves to. And I wanna talk about the things that's important for children. To dedicate themselves to. And we want to conclude with an area. That all of us. Should be dedicated to. Now first of all men. You know there are really only two or three areas. That the Lord considers important. Now the first thing that a man needs to be dedicated to. We're talking about a grown adult man. Assuming that he's married, the most important thing is that he be dedicated to his wife. That's a very important area of life. And it takes time and wisdom and effort to be dedicated and involved with your wife. Colossians 3.19 simply says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I believe bitterness is one of the main problems that men have towards their wives. Otherwise, I don't believe it would be mentioned here. Because Paul is... If you'll read where I'm quoting in Colossians chapter 3... You'll notice that he talks about husbands loving their wives and then he addresses the responsibilities of wives and the responsibilities of children. So I think it's significant when he gives these three very general, concise exhortations to the uh, husband and the wife and the children that the Lord so inspired Paul to say, husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. To be bitter against your wife is to simply have a spirit of agitation, aggravation, impatience, where you snap at your wife. You know, I like to observe people. I know I'm strange pray, maybe this way, but I heard Elder Sonny Powell say he was that way, so uh, I'm in good company. You know, when I have free time at the airport or when I go to the mall, you know, I just like to watch people. And if you'll observe men shopping with their wives,
1: one of the main
0: problems is bitterness. Now I know that, you know, we we laugh at that and it's funny, but I'm sure if if that's displayed in public, how much the more it's probably a problem in the home. Now, I'm not preaching down at you men that are here. I believe it's only, I've been married for 33 years, and I believe it's only been during the last few years that I've overcome that as a problem. I'm not saying I don't backslide and then I've totally conquered that, but it took me a long time to overcome that. And I think I shared this with the church not too long ago. And I'm not bragging, I just want you other men to enjoy what I enjoy. I found out that if I'll focus on doing the things that my wife wants to be done, that I'm happy. Now, I used to not be that way. But see, we have to mold and change our character. I went into marriage very selfish. And I'm sure I still have selfish qualities about me. But I believe the reason so many people get divorced, and this certainly isn't the reason all people get divorced, but they don't spend enough time building a strong marriage. Why, 10 years, you're just getting started. You're just beginning how, how to live with each other. You know, the the best years of your marriage, if you're committed and are striving to do things you ought, are not the first 20 or 25 years. It's the second 20 or 25 years. I'm convinced of that. I love my wife now more than I ever have. And I'd say that if she was here or not. (laughs) That's the truth. God knows it is. And oh, there's so much that could be taught on just that one area of dedication that men should have. And if I were going to go into detail, I would speak from Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll just read this, and you go home and meditate on these words. Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. None of us are ever going to get as good as Christ was and is at loving the church. But the essence of his love for the church was personal sacrifice. It's not about me. It's about the church. It's not about me. It's about my wife and then look at verses 28 and 29 so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh have you ever heard someone say well well that person's problem is they just haven't Learn to love themselves. They hate themselves. The word of God says that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You go home and study those two words, nourish and cherish. You get a concordance or... Or you go online and look up in Strong's Concordance and see what the meaning of nourishing and cherishing is as it applies to your wife. A second area that men need to be dedicated is to their children. Amen. You know, the Lord established the family before he established the church. right. There's really only three institutions that God ordained, and that's the home, that is the family, uh, the church, and civil government. Those are the only organizations I know of that God ordained, that he established and set up for the welfare of his people. But in Ephesians 6, 4, Notice what it says, and you fathers. Notice it does not say ye mothers, it does not say ye parents. Obviously there's a load put on me that's not put on mother. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now that takes work. You approach children one way when they're very small, and you approach them another way when they're older. And it's it's easier when they're small. When they're small, you know what you're concerned with? Compliance. You're not concerned with the heart. I'm talking about when they're two or three years old. You're not concerned with the heart. You're not concerned about them understanding every detail about why you discipline them, the main thing you're doing is training them that if you do this, it doesn't feel good, so you better not do that anymore. That's really the basics of it, to, to train a child to sit still in church. You know, we used, to, we used to always sit on the front row with our small children, and you know what we'd do if they didn't do what I said? I would go out, Let them know it didn't feel good to go outside and then come back in. It only takes a few times they realize if I go outside, it feels a lot worse than it does in church. If you take your child outside and give up and play with them all during church, you are training them. It's a lot more fun to go outside than every time I disobey, I go outside. So guess what? I'm going to disobey. You're training your children when you don't even realize it. Even if it's negative training, you are. If you tell them one more time, then guess what? You're training them, I won't spank you until after I say one more time. If you say, I'm going to count to 10, you're training them that I will not spank you until I get to 10. You're training them, you see? Jesus said, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. When they get older, then you have to deal with what's here. He says, don't provoke your children to wrath. My children know that that's, that's something we all have to work on. Right. You know, I have to realize, well, I'm, they're, they're adults now. They don't have all the experience I do, but they're adults. And I need to respect them as adults. Yeah. I don't need to have the attitude of, of just do what I say. And get upset and, 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 and be angry all the time. One of the most important things when your children or teenagers and grown is to strive not to have a wall between you and them. Amen. Amen. If you can maintain that open relationship where you feel like there's no bitterness and resentment... That's a big accomplishment. And it's not automatic and it's not easy. It has to be worked on. And he says, fathers. God didn't call you to be a drill sergeant. There's a place for that and it's not the home. God didn't call you to be a policeman in the home. You don't approach the home the way you would a job where you're forcing adults to comply to orders. That's not the way the home is to be run. He says, You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And those are another two words I would encourage you to look up. And then lastly, for fathers, not only are they to love their wives, train up their children, but also it's their job to provide for their family. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul is addressing the issue of providing for widows. Now, they didn't have Social Security in those days, A woman who was a widow who also did not have children to take care of her was in a truly desperate situation as far as uh, finances were concerned. And he talks about how that the younger widows are not to be supported in this matter and that's all addressed in detail here. But I just want this one point today, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Now most of you know that Brother Chris hired me to work in the child support unit, and so I'm... My job is to get men in court who are worse than infidels. That's what the Bible says about them, not me. And I've often said, I want I to put this verse, you know, over on the wall by my desk. I don't know if Andy would go for that or not, but I thought this would be a good verse to put in there. He that provideth not for his own has denied the faith and is worse than... Than an infidel. Amen. Husbands, fathers, it is, God puts it on you yeah. to provide for your family. I didn't say women can't do any work outside of the home. I didn't say that. But God, it, it's the buck stops with you, Amen. Amen. not your wife. That's right. And you know, my whole ministry, most of you know that before I moved here I had been uh, just a pastor for many years but the way I've always preached it and I believe this is what the Bible teaches if I can provide for my family with what I receive from the church that's the best scenario right. but if I can it's my job to supplement that to whatever degree is necessary that's right. see it's, it's on me to provide for my family Amen. now There's one more very important area, but we're going to put this together as it applies to uh, men, women, and children, and that's, of course, the kingdom of God. But I mention this now simply to point out if I'm trying to be the kind of husband, father, provider, and church member that I ought to be, I don't have much time for other activities. Amen. Any man here that's mastered all of those? And you're just so good at those you, you need to go play golf all day Saturday and all day Sunday. You're just so good at being a husband, a father, a provider, and a churchman. Again, I'm not condemning those activities. I'm just saying man, we better be careful because There's something really important we can be doing on the weekend when we're not at our secular job. And one of those days is Sunday and we need to assemble with God's people. So a lot of men, some of them don't even have Saturday, but a lot of men, Saturday's the only day they're at home. And you need to spend some time just with your family. You know, I work at a desk all day and, The only way I can relax after that is I go exercise and I come home and eat supper and my brain's pretty much done for the day. We need some quality time with our family. Quantity is important. Some people think, oh, I only spend an hour a week with my children, but it's quality time. I don't buy into that. But quality time is important. Not just being in their presence. Okay, next. Let's think about the things a woman should be dedicated to. First of all, their husbands. Now, after what I've said about husbands, I hope you can temper what the Bible says about women with that information. You see, a husband is, you know, men like to say, oh, the Bible says that the wife is, submit, is to submit herself to her husband. Yes, but he needs to be the right kind of husband. Amen. And I love the point Brother Chris made. I'm going to borrow it a lot of times. The Bible never tells the husband to tell his wife to submit. Amen. It never says that. It never tells the husband to tell his wife what to do. It's his job to do what he's supposed to do. And you know the reason it doesn't tell the husband to tell his wife to submit? Because if he's doing what he ought to do, it will be unnecessary. Right. I realize there are exceptions. Amen. If you married an unbeliever, but the Bible told you not to to start with. So if you're a young person, if, if, don't even date an unbeliever. Because the Lord told you not to. We're here addressing the general, not the exceptions, this morning. Now, it says in Colossians 3.18, this is the verse prior to what we read about husbands, it says, wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is fit that is suitable or proper in the Lord. See, this is not a matter of just obeying orders. He says to do so as it is fit, as it is proper in the Lord. Now, do you think it's pleasing to God for the wife to submit if he's not the kind of man he ought to be? Now, it doesn't change the responsibility, but the Lord's not honored with that. The man is not doing a service to himself. As a matter of fact, he's doing a disservice and he's harming his marriage. If all he's thinking about is she's to obey me. You are harming your marriage. You're not helping it. You're not conforming it to the Bible. You're harming it. You cannot nourish and cherish your wife and be harsh at the same time. It's impossible. But notice this, if you want some more insight. In... uh, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 11 and 12. Now you know this is the chapter that goes into great detail about the characteristics of the virtuous woman. But look at verses 11 and 12 in Proverbs 31. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. A virtuous woman conducts herself in such a way that the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. I'm glad in my marriage, and I hope you other men can say the same, that I'm not jealous of my wife. I'm not keeping tabs on her because I'm afraid she'll get involved with another man. I'm not always... uh, concern that she might say something to the other members at church that's not good. I, I don't have that concern. why my heart doth safely trust in her right. Amen. And I've been married all these years and it's always I've always been able to safely trust in her. It says she will do him good. He may not always behave good, <laughs> but she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know, the book of Proverbs, and we'll not talk about this, talks about the woman that plucketh down her house with her own hands. That's not an exact quote, but you look up the word plucketh in Proverbs and you'll find that verse. See, you can build or tear down your home. Secondly, The woman needs to focus on her children and her household. But see, that's really just one thing. You see, the woman may be with the children a lot more than the father. But it is the father's responsibility to oversee this organization called the home. Yeah, the wife is involved with the daily routines with the children. But any behavior issues are to be ultimately resolved, if need be, by the father. See, here's a a perverted view. And that's not necessarily a bad word. Perverted just means twisted or not right. Here's a perverted view that many men have. I provide, she raises the children. That is not biblical. Amen. You know, you don't get a pat on the back because I provide and she stays home. You're just doing what the Bible would say is your reasonable service, what you're supposed to do. And you don't get special recognition for doing what you're supposed to do. Now, we would like to have it that way. And sometimes we get recognized out there in the career career world while our wife is not recognized in the home. But oh, how true it is, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Amen. Husbands, it is, and fathers, it's your job to oversee your home. You know, the CEO of a large company, the buck stops with him. He's making the decisions that affect the entire company. Well, see, husband, you're like that CEO over the home. You make the changes. Just like that CEO determines where to invest money and where to do things, there's a lot of people under him, but he's the one that makes those major decisions, and that's the job of the husband and father, to make those major decisions and to address any behavior problems (coughs) that reach above the level of, you know, just correction for that day. But here's what the Bible says about the women, the wives, the mothers. They're to be dedicated to their husbands and their household, and that's explained in 1 Timothy 5.14 this way. I will therefore that the younger women You want to know what God's will is for your life? You say, oh, I'm I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people. I'm reading a lot of different things. I'm trying to find out what God's will is for my life. Here it is. I will therefore that the younger woman marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. In other words, if you don't do it that way, You are opening the door for Satan to bring reproach. Surely we don't want that. We don't want Satan to bring reproach. Now I realize there are exceptions. Paul talks clearly about, in 1 Corinthians 7, he said... It's better to abide even as I. And he was talking about being single. And he talks about how that if you're married, you care for the things of this world. That's not speaking of sinful worldliness. That's speaking of the responsibilities of this life. If a man's married, he cares for the things of his wife, how he may please her. If a woman's married, she cares for the things of of her husband, how she may please him. What that's teaching is there is a responsibility, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but there is a distraction in marriage that you don't have when you're single. Read 1 Corinthians 7, and Paul will make it clear that if you don't have that particular discipline, then you need to get married. But again, I'm talking about the general today, not the exception. It says in 1 Timothy 5, 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house. In Titus 2, it says the older women are to teach the younger women to be keepers at home. Now, that's what the Lord says. Now, here, here's a good rule of thumb to go by. If you're a wife, and especially if you're a mother, any job that becomes more of a focus than your home is a job you don't need to have. That's right. See, I'm not presenting to you some legalistic rule that if you've got children, you never do anything outside of the home to make money. But you know in your heart whether you're making the main thing the main thing. (laughs) And I suggest to you that it's not a matter of giving 55% to your home and 45% to your job. But I suggest to you, you need to focus... The great majority of your time toward the home, and your husband needs to tell himself that's her job, it's up to me to make ends meet. You know, you say, Well, it just takes two incomes today. Well, you're looking at somebody that's never been in that situation. It doesn't take two incomes today, might take two to get everything you want, but it doesn't take two to get everything. You need, I I always quote uh, what my grandfather said, and this applies to me. All of you know I have six children. He said, when I had one child, I had just enough to get by. And when I had eight children, I had just enough to get by. That's been my experience. The Lord provides if you do the things, if if you live life according to his word. The Lord provides. Now look at Proverbs 31, verse 27 through 31. Speaking of the virtuous woman, a married woman with children, she looketh well to the ways of her household. Now Paul wrote to Timothy, marry, bear, children, guide the house. Paul wrote to Titus to be keepers at home. And now he says, she looketh well to the ways of her household. God will bless you the most if running the affairs of your household is priority and primary. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. The world will tell you, you just stay at home. You don't have a career. The world will make you feel like a nobody. (laughs) But if your husband and you are bringing your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord... I, I'll almost guarantee you, you'll have a much happier home than where both parents are working and the children are always in daycare. And I know, I know families where uh, as soon as school's out, they send their children to camps all summer, as if the goal is to keep them away as much as possible. And a lot of times they do that because they've been doing things wrong and they can't figure out how to resolve the problem. You know, the Bible says a minister, but when he's ordained, he must have his his children in subjection with all gravity. That's so important. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Who are the children arising up and calling blessed? Their mother that spends time with them. My adult children love their mother. Some of you know we went to stay with Rachel last week. And I got a text from her saying, it's great when your best friends are your parents. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it's that way. That's not by accident. My wife's focus was on them when they were small. Listen to verse 29. If you think it's a, if you think staying at home is a second-class calling, he says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. He says, the front runner of the pack is this virtuous woman that looks well to the ways of her household. Favor is deceitful. Oh, the world will praise you if you do things their way. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. There's what's most important whether you're a man, a woman, or a child. Right. Fear God and keep His commandments. This yeah. is the whole duty of man. Now I'm going to look at Children, briefly, what are the things that children should be dedicated to? You've really got it easy. You don't have a husband or wife, which is a big responsibility. You don't have a child. You don't have children of your own, which is a big responsibility. And I'm talking about children. Uh, up until the time that they leave the house. I realize when they're adults, like you know, some of mine are in their mid-20s, I realize that this doesn't apply so much to them. But as long as you're in that uh, state where you're still under the guidance of your parents regarding life decisions, It says in Proverbs 1.8, it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. He said, Brother Buddy, that's not easy. Well, it may not be easy, but that's the one main thing. It's easy in that you have one focus. Right. Hear the instruction of your father. And these words are interesting. That word instruction can mean discipline. Or training. He says hear the instruction of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother. If you look up that word law here. The, the literal meaning of it is the, the waving of the finger or the hand. Don't that sound familiar? You better do what your father said. My son hear the instruction of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, here's what Satan's going to tell you. Your parents don't understand. You know what? Everything you're doing, I did. I just didn't have the same technology. That's basically the only difference. You know, you talk to the men my age and older. We did the same thing that young men do today. We just didn't have the same technology. I didn't have the same kind of stereo system they do. I had, I had a, uh, I forgot which kind I had, but I had Jensen coaxial speakers and a Fulton hundred watt booster. Now that's nothing today. They have these hundred thousand watt boosters that fill up the trunk. But just it's no different. You're cool if you got a good stereo system. It's no different. You know we didn't have the lights that shine on the. Street when you drive along, but I have air shocks. I could go to the gas station and get that air pump, and I could raise the back however I wanted. Now I had it rode rough as a covered wagon, but that didn't matter. I looked cool. See, it's the same thing. It's no different. We may not can relate to the words you use, but I, we had our own. You know, I have, to, I have to figure out what the meaning of words are today. You know, one of the ones that I've heard used is salty. I didn't know what salty meant. <laughs> but it's the same thing. They make fun of your words. Their kids will make fun of their words. That's right. That's right. They had a certain kind of stereo system. They'll say, man, you had an old antique like that. You know, I still feel like videotapes are pretty modern, don't you? That's right. I remember when they came, I was looking at one of those little magazines that they have like in Cracker Barrel that tell what it was like the year you were born. When I looked at the one of the way things were in the 80s and I felt like, well, what's old about this? This is pretty modern. (laughs) You young people look at it, you would laugh and say, Dad, I can't believe you had those things. There's nothing new under the sun. That's right. Amen. So see, God didn't tell you obey them if they understand. That's right. He said in Ephesians 6, 4, Children, obey your parents. Now, this is hard to understand. <laughs> Children, obey your parents for this is right. Yeah. It's right. Amen. Now, if your parents want you to do something ungodly, you don't have to do that. Right. But again, we're talking about the general, not the exception. And I know that probably doesn't affect any young person in this church. None of you probably have parents that are trying to get you to do something ungodly. Now, you may say, Well, I really need to go to this social event, and they don't think it's a good idea, and they don't understand. Right. Maybe they don't. Maybe you should get to go. But you know what? You're gonna be blessed. You, you may not understand this now. You may not realize reali- you may not think about this now or appreciate this now. But there'll come a day when you'll learn that obedience ends up in far more blessings than doing what you want to do. That's, right. That's true to an adult. I know that now from experience. I remember thinking, well, my, you know, my parents were about the age of most people's grandparents. My dad was 50 when I was born. So Satan had all the more reason to tell me, they can't relate to you. <laughs> but it still says, obey your parents for it's right right now i can take you a little further than that i believe it's in uh colossians chapter 3 and verse 20 it says children obey your parents for this is well pleasing to the lord or right, you have this sovereign god that rules the universe now is it better to do the things that please him or to do something your parents don't want you to do, even though it may not be a sinful activity, but in their judgment it's not wise, and even if their judgment is wrong, it's still better to do what's well-pleasing to the Lord. And then finally, and again, you understand we're not getting to the what's so important for men, women, and children is to be dedicated to the kingdom of God. And there's a whole sermon that could be preached on that. But the last one we want to reference today is Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. Honor thy father and thy mother, See, honor is a step higher than obedience. Right. See, you can comply to your parents and turn away, rolling your eyes, and be mad. You're obeying them, but you're not honoring them. Right. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee. If you obey your parents, even when you feel like it's going to make you miss out on, on the way your life should be going, oh, it's so important that I go to this event because, man, this will make me uh, fit in and and, and be able to, to, to be with the right group and I'll, I'll be in a better position to accomplish this. This says, if you honor your father and mother, it'll prolong your days and that it will go well with in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. We need to be dedicated men, dedicated women, and dedicated children to the things that matter. The things that will make your life joyful and happy. The things that will give you peace. I've got a long way to go in being as dedicated as I should be. But I hope I've been, somebody once said, if you don't learn something in 30-something years, you're dumb indeed. (laughs) I hope at least through enough of doing the wrong thing, I figured out that if you make the right things that which you're dedicated to, You'll find a joy in life that you won't have with money, with fame, with power, or anything else that this world thinks is so important. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.